This wonderful verse in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12 has come to be known down through the ages as the golden rule for Christian living. I think it's one of the most simple rules to guide our uh, relationships in life with others. Now it's simple, but it's really hard to put into practice. As with so many things that the Lord Jesus has given to us, it's uncomplicated, it's uncluttered. And yet when we come to practice it within our lives, it's quite a different story and a different scenario. A.W. Pink wonderfully summarizes uh, the, the context of this. The context is everything in the study of the Word of God. You cannot lift uh, Matthew 7 and verse 12 out of context and, and rip it out of the whole of this chapter that's all about judgment and judging each other and we're taught here that as we look at the verses that go before it that our privileges and our duties they go hand in hand we can't take the privileges without accepting the duties there are many people today they want all the privileges they want the comforts of home. They want the privileges of home. But they do want the responsibilities of marriage and family and building up a home and a life together. When God blesses us, it is with the design to enable us to better fulfill our duties. If God blesses you as a father, it is to enable you to be a better father, a better husband. If he blesses you as a mother, likewise, it's to make you a better mother, a better wife. Our answers to prayer, if we look at Matthew 7 and verse 12, they will be hindered. They will be hindered. We, we should not expect to receive good things from God if we do not act fairly with other men. Devotion without honesty equates hypocrisy. Devotion without honesty is just the same as hypocrisy. And there are many people today and they're running around with a big Bible in their hand. And they're absolute base hypocrites. And I've visited homes in the years that have gone by and men have carried big Bibles to church with them and they've beat their wives at home. Devotion without honesty is just hypocrisy. And we should not expect to receive the good things of verse 11. If we're not implementing what we should do in verse 12. The all things of verse 12 are related to the good things of verse 11. And in order to perform our duties, if we put it in context again, daily, we ought to be in the habit of prayer. Because, remember verse 7, the ask, the seek and the knock, as we discovered last week, it's all in the habitual continuous tense. Keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. And as you keep on seeking, keep on knocking, keep on asking, then you can expect to know something of the blessing of this golden rule of Matthew 7 and verse 12. This guiding rule that frames our relationships with others. Not just our relationships with those in the fraternity of the people of God, those within our families, but those within our communities, those within our nations, those within who live abroad. It doesn't matter where you are. Who is your neighbor? Your neighbor is someone that you can help. It doesn't matter who they are, whether they live next door to you or on the other side of the world. So today we're going to look at this uh, golden rule and, and see the application of it very simply. 
uh, to our relationships with others uh, in the home, in the family, in the community. First of all, let's think for a little moment about the scope of this golden rule. It's comprehensive. It's a lot more comprehensive than we would imagine it to be. The therefore at the start of verse 12 is reflective and it reminds us of what has gone before. When you think the therefore, stop and ask what is it therefore? And it's therefore a reason. And it teaches us, brethren and sisters, that we are to afford to others what we claim for ourselves. And especially is this so when it comes to the matter of judgment. We've looked at this a couple of weeks ago because the opening verses, verse 1 to 6, it's all about judging, judging, judging. And of course there are plenty of people and they're good at judging others. Look at what Jesus said in verse 1, judge not that ye be not judged. And that does not mean to say that you and I are not to exercise spiritual discernment. We're not to be naive. We are to exercise spiritual discernment and we'll come to that again further on down the chapter. But the challenge here is that we're not to judge others by our own preconceived notions and ideas. And we all have our own wee pet standards. We all have our own notions. We all have our own ideas. And we set that as the measuring rod for everybody else. And what we discovered in our previous studies is that what is not taught here is that I have to accept your behavior. I have to accept your opinions and say nothing. But what is taught here is I'm not to be censorious, judgmental over minor matters. We're to treat others as we would have them treat us. It's not our job, brethren and sisters, to judge our neighbours. There's too many people do that in Ulster. All of our neighbours one day will be judged. And they'll all stand before Almighty God and they'll give an account one day to the Lord. They will give an account. Now, let that truth sink into your heart today if you're in the meeting. Maybe you're here unconverted. You're going to give an, an account one day. You don't have to give an account to me. That wouldn't account for very much. But you're going to give an account to Almighty God. You're going to answer to him. If God has been so patient with us, brethren and sisters, and he has, and he is, Ought we not to be patient with others? As I drive around the roads of Ulster, <clears throat> we, we talk about road rage. It doesn't take much to bring people in Ulster into a rage. You only have to up and kill kill. You only have to maybe uh, not pull off at the, the, the traffic lights just immediately when the light turns as somebody to blur the horn behind you. I would love some day to get out of the car and give them a piece of my mind. But you know I would never do that. Road rage. Impatience. How patient God has been with us. And mercy and grace. He's been so loving. He's been so patient. He's been so kind. And should we pretend to be more demanding than God is? I'm afraid there are many who do that. If you set yourself up to be judge of others, well then I want to ask you the question, 
How do you know what's going on in people's minds? And how do you know what's going on in people's hearts? You cannot see inside the heart of any individual. You cannot. And sometimes we we mistake what other people do because we don't see the burdens they carry. We don't see the, the sorrows that they endure. We don't know their background. We don't know how they have been in, uh, afflicted from previous trauma in their life and they're carrying that right throughout their life. We don't know all of that. But yet we set ourselves up as judge of them. This is the scope of this uh, golden rule. Don't be sitting in judgment on other people. How, how did Jesus teach us this? Well, he took this wonderful illustration. He said, how can you take a speck of dust out of other people's eye? Just a little smidgen of dust when there's a great big beam in your own eye. You know, if there's a great big beam in your own eye, you, possibly, you couldn't possibly see the little speck of dust that's in somebody else's eye. And there's so many people, and they're good at exposing, just like the Pharisees, that little speck of dust in somebody else's eye. Why? In order to cover up the log or the beam that's in their own eye. And it's just rank hypocrisy. Oh, how many cover up their own sins by exposing the sins of others. As Christians, we're called... To be charitable in our judgments. We're not called to be condemning. We're not called to be censors. We're called to be charitable. The Puritans called this a a judgment of charity. So when you're dealing with others, first of all, I would say, give them a judgment of charity. We might say, give them the benefit of the doubt. Don't damn them first of all. Too many are happy to do that. I read in First Peter 4 and 8, Above all things have fervent charity. Now remember, in our AV, charity stands for love. So we can read it. Above all things have fervent charity, love among yourselves. For love or charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Love or charity shall cover the multitude of sins. I read of one artist and he was painting his friend And his friend was deformed on one side. And what did he do? He painted him from the other side. So the deformity was not in the picture. That was today on social media. That would have to be blazing in full uh, colour. But charity covers a multitude of sins. It, It doesn't expose it, it covers it. I'm not talking about covering up sin. I'm not talking about uh, covering up uh, wrongdoing. I'm talking about being charitable to others in our judgments of them. Remember Jesus said, by whatever standard you judge others, you're going to be judged yourself. There are many and they preach, as they used to say in Kenya, they preach water and they drink wine. They preach abstinence and at the same time they imbibe alcohol themselves. They have one standard for you and another standard for themselves. Just remember, people, people will give you back what you have given them. Matthew 7 and 5 teaches us that we need to tackle sin in our own lives first before we tackle it in the lives of others. And that's a break. That's, that's like a check 
upon all of our lives before you go meddling into the lives of somebody else and trying to sort out somebody else's life you better check your own life and you better check first of all what's going on in your own spiritual experience before you sit in judgment on somebody else's I, I think too when we think of this golden law it teaches us that our intercessions are also covered by it. You know, prayer was never meant to be centered on self. It was never meant to be centered on self. Uh, and this whole golden rule is teaching us to look out for our neighbor. And so when we come before God in prayer, we're praying for others. We're interceding, we're supplicating for others. We're not just lifting up our own needs, and it's not wrong to do that, but we're lifting up primarily the needs of others. We're taught this by the Saviour. We, we spent quite a time on the Lord's Prayer last year. And in those opening petitions, we're praying for the honouring of God's name, not for self. We're praying for the advancement of his kingdom, not for self. We're praying that the will of God might be done on earth as it is in heaven, not for self. And then we come to give us our daily bread. And we can only pray for self when we've hallowed the Lord's name. When we've honoured his kingdom. When we've prayed for the advancement of it. And when all of that is done and praying for others, then we can think about self. God first. Others second. Self last. How many can live that out? But that's the golden rule. You see, it's so simple. These things are, are thrown out to the boys and girls and the young people in the children's meeting and the youth fellowships. And we give them out as sound bites for them along the journey of life. But here I am as a mature adult. And God's giving it to me today as I would give it out to my son or daughter or to some of the children in the children's meeting. God's giving it out to you. This is the golden rule for you today. And the scope of it encompasses everything. There's nothing that it doesn't encompass. Our prayer life comes under the microscope here of this golden rule. How important it is. Yes, to be taken up before we come to the daily bread, the needs of our own personal life, to be taken up with the spiritual realities that are all round about us. Secondly, let's consider this golden rule as a standard, a standard for living. Oftentimes, large businesses, they post up their standards of business. You know, this should be put in the church door. It should be put in the door of every Christian home. This is, should be put in the door of every Christian business office. This is my standard for living. If you want to know how I do business, Matthew 7 and verse 12 is my standard of practice. This is how I do business here on earth and for eternity to come. The golden rule. It's just but a, a, a perfect summary of the second table of the law. We've been thinking of that in our Bible studies over the past few weeks. The first four commandments have to do with our relationship with God. Then from the fifth commandment to the tenth commandment has to do with our relationship with others. If your relationship with God is not right, your relationship with others will never be right. So you need to get your relationship with God right first of all. And then your relationship with others will be right. And Jesus, he just took this and he said, this is how you frame your life. This is how you interact with other believers and unbelievers alike. 
Remember how earlier in chapter 5 verse 17 he said, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy but to fulfill. There are those who say they are the Lord's and they are the Lord's people. And they say we're not under the law. No, I'm not under the law as a way of salvation because I would never be saved if that were to be the case. But this is a law of life. This is a standard for living. And this is the standard that Jesus gave to his people. This is our standard for living. And Jesus said about the law and the prophets, I didn't come to destroy them, I came to fulfill them. And now he bases this law just in a few words upon the whole teaching of the law and the prophets at the end of verse 12. This is the summary of it. So what we have here in the golden rule is a comprehensive regulating principle and it's the law and the prophets summarized just in these few words that regulate our relationship with others. You think it's not in the law and the prophets? I, I was amazed to read again in Leviticus 19.18. In the Levitical code, and how we had all of those cultural divisions, national divisions. And what did God say to the children of Israel? Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Leviticus chapter 19 and 18. Christianity, brethren and sisters, does not uh, absolve us from the moral law of God. Rather, it requires us to live up to the standard of the moral law of God. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The moral law has not been abolished. The Ten Commandments are on the statute book. And the golden rule, Jesus said, is the summary of how we seek to frame our relationships in a biblical manner. Too often in life, we do unto others as they do unto us. Somebody blares the horn at me, I blare the horn at them. If somebody flashes the lights at me, I blind them. So forth and so on. Like a, like a game of ping pong. But Christ's summary is, brings us to a very different conclusion. Whatsoever you would that men do to you, you do in turn to others. Now that's countercultural, isn't it? That goes against the grain. The parallel passage is found in Luke's Gospel chapter 6. And this golden rule in Luke's Gospel chapter 6, it's framed in the context, really amazing to discover this, is framed in the context of lending and borrowing money. So in Luke 6, 30, 31, Jesus said, Give to every man that asketh of thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods, Ask them, not again, taketh away your goods because it was the creditor and you had to pay back the creditor. So if you owed the debt, you've got to pay it back. And as you would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. We're not denying here the legitimacy <coughs> of lending money for interest. There is no issue with that. What the Bible condemns is usury. That's the money lenders. That's the men who were charging 100% on what you borrowed or 200%. Just like the money sharks, the paramilitary money sharks here in Northern Ireland. Just the exact same. What the Bible condemns is usury. If somebody needs Jesus said, give it to him. Just give it to him. 
even if it means you're not getting that interest back, give it to him. Give it to him. In other words, don't use the help of your brother for your own profit. Do you have to make a profit out of everybody? That's what Jesus was saying. No, you don't. You don't have to make a profit out of everything or of everyone. So in business, this golden rule is a standard for every professing Christian. This is how we measure what we're doing. Can I, with all good conscience, that's what every business person should be saying, can I, with all good conscience, charge that person such a high interest rate? Would I want them to be charging me the same? Can I really, with all good conscience, put such a high profit margin on those goods that I'm selling? Can I? Can I sell that item for five times what it's actually worth? Can I charge three times the price for my labor that everybody else is charging for the same job that I am doing for others? It's always good to stop and think uh, what you would do if your places were reversed with the other person. So now you're on this side of the counter, there on the other side of the counter. Before the deal is signed, you make sure that you imagine that you're on the other side of the counter. What would you really like to be done to you? That's the essence of the golden rule. Matthew 7 and verse 12. Matthew Henry summarized it as follows. Christ came to teach us not only what we are to know and believe, but what we are to do. What we are to do, not only toward God, but toward men. Not only towards our fellow disciples, those of our party and persuasion, but towards men in general, all with whom we have to do. It doesn't matter who you meet this week, this golden rule will apply. The spiritual application, of course, it should put a break on all of our actions. Before you speak, before you use rash words, before you act in a hasty manner, just apply this standard. What I'm going to say, would I want it said to me? What I'm going to do, would I want it done to me? This is the cross on which to place our own self, our own selfishness. This is how we honour others instead of promoting self. This is how we settle strife and contention in families, in the church family, within our own families, in, in, the, in the community. We need to measure what we're saying, what we're doing by the golden rule. And I'm afraid, I'm afraid, brethren and sisters, when we set this standard up, we all have to confess we've failed it. Remember how Jesus, further on in Matthew's Gospel, took this same concept and he spoke about the greatest commandment. The Pharisee came and asked him in Matthew 24, 34 to 40. <clears throat> the lawyer asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. He's directing people. He said, this is what you do. And this is the summary of all the law, all the prophets. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. But also love your neighbor as yourself. The love which is spoken of, it means simply... We don't do anything on our neighbor that we wouldn't want someone doing on us. 
We treat everybody with the same regard, with the same respect, as we ourselves want to be treated. Nobody likes queue jumpers. And when you're in a queue and you've stood in that queue for a long time, there's nothing more annoying, is it? I have to confess it, there's nothing more annoying. Somebody just walks right up ahead of you and they pretend to know somebody in the queue and they're with them. Nothing more annoying than that. So don't you do it. Treat others with the same respect that others would treat you with. And we must in our dealings with others suppose ourselves in their places in the first instance. If I'm making a deal with someone this week, the question I have to ask myself is this. Would I be happy if that deal is being made with me? If it was the other way around. Some people are very good at haggling here in Ulster. And they're very good at you know, battering someone down to get a good deal, to get a good price. And we see it in the market and we see it in the sales room. Uh, and we see it, people going in maybe to the, the shop and they want to get a discount and, and they'll haggle, they, they, they'll really batter down that person. And, you know, uh, we used to have people come out to Kenya and they would have done that. They would have haggled down that price until it was embarrassing, embarrassing. And I used to say to some of them, you know, those people have to live. When you're left, they have to live. They have to produce. They have to produce a profit. They have to live. You remember that, brethren and sisters, this week. Our biggest hindrance into implementing this golden rule. We don't have to go far to look for it. It's called self. Self. By our sinful nature, we were learning about that in the catechism, we're all creatures of self, we're self-centered, we're self-satisfied, we're self-concerned, as long as self is okay, everybody else can go there, we're just creatures of self. But what does the word of God tell us? Romans 13, 9 and 10, let me read it out quickly to you. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, this is the second half of the law, you can read it there. And then, verse 13, and then verse 10. Love worketh no will to his neighbor. Therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Love worketh no will to his neighbor. Love will make sure er, his neighbor respects the parameters of marriage of the neighbor's home. Love worketh no will there. Love will not go into his neighbor's farm, property, compound and steal what is not their own. Love will not covet what is not their own. Love will not lie against their neighbor. Love is the fulfilling of the law. Work, love worketh no will toward his neighbor. Could we close out just with some thoughts on the spiritual transformation needed to implement this golden rule? We can't do it off ourselves. It's an impossibility. The great commandment that Jesus gave us, as we read to you, Tells us that we're to love the Lord with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind. As a radical new self. The old self loves self. But the individual that knows God is saved by the grace of God. And is changed by the power of God. Now is enabled to love others. To love God first. To love their neighbors then 
to love themselves. And this implementation of this golden rule, it starts with this new relationship with God. Job was a wise man. Job was a man that feared God and eschewed evil. That's what God said about him to Satan in the opening chapters. And yet we read through those 40 odd chapters in the book of Job. We read also that Job was given over to self-pity and he was full of self. And when he came to chapter 40 and verse 4, he, he, was, he ran out of words to say, and he said to the Lord, Behold, I am vile. What shall I answer? I lay my hand upon my mouth. I am vile. That's really in essence what we were singing earlier on in the service. I'm only a sinner saved by grace. Just a sinner saved by grace. And when we see our own sin, when we see our own vileness, then we look away from self. We look to the one who's spotless. We look to the one who's sinless. We look to the one who came to be the great sinner substitute, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we rest on him and we receive his merits and we receive his grace. We receive his favours. Have you come to that place today in your own life? How do you see yourself? As you look into the mirror, what did you see today? Well, you saw something that we all see, but God looks in here and God sees self. The sin of the heart, the sin of the life. And that's what you need to get changed today. Because this great transformation will never take place until you're transformed inside. When we see ourselves as how God sees us, then we see others how they really are. If I'm only a sinner saved by grace, so is everybody else. Sinners either saved by grace or in need of grace. It's not a great leveler. It doesn't matter what country you're from. It doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter what creed you are. It doesn't matter what class you are. You're either a sinner saved by grace or in need of grace. And that just enables us all today to walk humbly with God. And just remember, brethren and sisters, as we tried to connect verse 12 with verse 11, God in grace and mercy, he gives good things to those that don't deserve them. Do you and I deserve what God has given to us? If we only got what we deserved, it would be judgment. It would be damnation, eternal damnation and hell for all eternity. But in grace, God dealt with our souls. In grace, he gave us the very best of heaven. He gave us his son. He gave us the salvation that comes to the lost through him. He gave heaven's very best. He spared no expense that we with him might enjoy all things. Do not allow cynicism and the coldness of this age to rob you of the joy of being agents of his grace and love and mercy to others this week. How will God show that love, grace and mercy through you? You're his agents. You're the ones that will take the grace, the mercy, the love of God to others this week. You'll show the compassion that God has shown to you. You'll show it to others. The conclusion of the golden rule emphasizes for us its importance. <clears throat> and here we stop. Because this is all the law 
all the prophets, all of the law, all of the prophets, is that all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. This is not some minor point of theology. Sometimes we have Christians today and they say, ah, oh, we, 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 we don't want doctrine that's too heavy for us. We just want the practical things. Well, here's the heavy doctrine, isn't it? This is the law. This is the prophets. And now this is the practice of it. And what does the law and the prophets and the practice of it go hand in hand? Well, Jesus said that all things whatsoever that you want men to do to you, you do to them. That's the golden rule. Let's unite our hearts in prayer. Time is away again. So we're going to pray. We're going to conclude our service. If I can be of help to anyone you want to talk to me, I'm always here after the service, morning and evening. Just intimate that to us. We'll be glad to spend further time with you around the word of God. Heavenly Father, we thank thee today with grateful hearts for the application of this golden rule. It's easy to recite it, but oh, Lord, how self would battle against implementing it. We pray today that you'll help us to crucify self. And we pray that we'll be agents of God's grace and mercy this week to those that we'll come into contact with. Help us to show, Lord, that we can give to others as God has given to us. We didn't get what we deserved, Lord. We only deserved damnation. But God gave us salvation. We didn't deserve heaven. We just deserved hell. Lord, we pray that in that same grace you'll help us to meet others this week. Give us grace to live out this golden rule. And help us for the glory of Christ to be agents of thy mercy and grace to everyone that we meet throughout the week. Bless us as we part our company. We pray that thy grace and favour may be our portion. And even in our homes this afternoon, we'll know the sweet presence of the risen Saviour with us, in whose dear name we pray.